welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello everybody at home and welcome. This is Second Contact, a Lower Decks commentary podcast. I'm your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me as always is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt, we got the third episode of Lower Decks today, and boy, was this a doozy. This was a lot of fun, and uh, like, just a, it was just, it was filled with joy, and of course, Easter eggs and references, and it's just, it was ridiculous in a very good way. Absolutely. This is a jam-packed episode. There's a lot to unpack here in, what is it, like 26 minutes of episode content they got a lot in here it was a lot of fun and my immediate reaction to the episode before we even get into the commentary is i laughed more while watching this episode than i have the previous two i feel like the show is getting better and better i think the brief uh moment that i've spent on twitter this morning before i watched it i had to be careful uh but a lot of people were saying this was their favorite so far and so that's definitely Mm. once we get through the commentary let's talk about that a little bit i'm I'm just happy that we were able to do this today because i'm i'm having some work done on my trees like in my (laughs) house i have four dead trees that i need to take down and so and i was i did not think that we we were going to be able to do this but these guys take like have already taken like four smoke breaks and they're on their lunch so (laughs) I, i think we can sneak in a commentary I think they're on what we're going to refer to as buffer time. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> These guys have definitely uh, put in the rounded the multiples and put in some buffer time for the tree <laughs> removal. Right. Well, while they're busy with their two hour lunch, I presume it will be. Let's do a commentary, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, everybody. So if you've listened to us before, you know how it goes. Cue up uh, however you watch it, whether it's on your Xbox, Apple TV, on your web page, on your phone, whatever it is, cue it up. And we start after the CBS All Access logo. Again, that's after the CBS All Access logo. So we're going to do a that's 3, right. 2, 1 play. All right. Is everybody ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. 3, 2, 1, play. Boom. So right off the bat, it, 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 it evokes TNG with definitely, those, you know, like the concerts, like like yes. we never really saw that in any other show except for TNG, like with the, yes. the recitals and classical music with a violin. It reminds me of all these orchestral performances. However, we do have to have the lower decks twist. Am I right? So here we go. Let's bring some metal into Star Trek. Yes, it is about time. I love Attendee's face when she's on the drums. It's so aggressive. It's so super serious. Yes. You know, okay, how are the Klingons not appreciating this right now? This is their kind of music. It's angry. It's loud. I'm guessing that they're feeling the bass just from their speakers from the comm channel since sound doesn't move through space i'm hoping (laughs) that's gotta be it it's gotta be it gotta be it yes even so quite hilarious and then here we go once again boimler and oh he's got to take the rap man (laughs) i i i i think i laughed really I, i think i laughed the hardest was when he said he's like that song was about my mother and here's another one that is also about my mother. I'm glad you brought that up. Does Boimler have mommy issues? Why are all these songs dedicated to him? Or her? 
definitely uh, definitely shows <laughs> that he has some mommy issues. You know, at least one character has to have either daddy issues or mommy issues. Freud would be so very proud of Star Trek because every iteration has some issue, usually several of these kind of issues going on. So last week, I theorized that the reason why the uh, captain was going all crazy was because mm-hmm. of the blue floaty thing that flew into her chest. Right. But as we watched this episode, we realized that's not the case. That's just her. That's just her. And so, like, this isn't even just, like, sequential like storytelling. Like, we're, we're, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with that thing. Right, because it's not acknowledged whatsoever in this episode. So I'm hoping at some point they bring it back. They've got to, right? I mean, they can't just leave that hanging. No way. Same like with the Janeway Protocol. We need to know what there is. Oh, man. I, I have a feeling that we're never going to find out what the Janeway Protocol is. <sighs> I, I think you're right, and that disappoints me so greatly because you can speculate only so much and have a good time. I love that. This is one thing that uh, never really has been addressed in Star Trek before is like getting email, getting messages, like messages that interrupt what you're doing. Like he, uh-huh. the 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 XO was d- g- giving a personal log, and then he's like, "Oh, oh, got a message going through my messages here." You know, like that's <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like that's one thing that I really like about this show is that those little things get popped in, like things that we as fans have always thought about. And yes. that's in, like in Lower Decks, you can tell. These people grew up on Star Trek. They're one of the generations that grew up on Star right? Trek. Right? Yes. They are as big of fans as we are. They understand all these little things that we've been noticing over the years, and they put them into this show. Also, it's important to note that in the 21st century, we're dealing with that very problem. You're usually doing work, and a lot of us are working from home right now if you have an office job and you can work remotely. And so a message comes in. Oh, oh, well, what's this? Constant, constant distraction. Yes? Yes, constantly. <laughs> At least that's how my life feels sometimes. <laughs> now, we've got Margarita yeah. time happening right now. This is why Mariner is probably my favorite character, because the girl knows how to relax. This introduces something that is, again, what hardcore Star Trek fans understand and realize, is that you put in buffer time. And like Scotty <laughs> yes. talked about it all the time. Like We first heard about yes. it in the original series. And then explained a little bit further in the movies, and then finally put a cap on it in the episode Relics in TNG. Which is That's like, you right. Like when, like, uh, I can't remember how long it was, but uh, oh, yeah, Jordy said, like, uh, he's like, yeah, I told the captain we get this ready in an hour. And then Scotty leans in, he's like, how long is it really going to take? Exactly. <laughs> and as he, as I think Kirk called him out on it in Star Trek 3, do you always mm-hmm. multiply your repair estimates by a factor of four, or is it three? Oh, I can't remember. It's, it, it must I be three it or four, four. one or two. And of course okay. he did. Scotty is the master of what they call creative buffering here. Hashtag buffer time. Yeah, this is this, this is something that's that's. I, I just I I'm in awe of this episode because it just feels like a love letter to Star Trek. It really kind of is. Like we just got Boimler doing a little hum of the motion picture slash TNG theme. Yes. I mean, come on. How can you not appreciate that? Now, I remember in the very first episode, you said some of the Easter eggs were a little heavy handed. I feel like you compare that to this episode and you're absolutely right. It's so much more subtle here and they're here. We recognize them, but they're just so much more clever about it. 
It makes me uh, think of in Arrested Development when the Arrested Development theme song was playing as somebody's ringtone. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Just like a little self-aware wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I still can't stand that they sleep in a hallway. It pisses me off. I just, I, can't, I hate that so much. I hate it. You're going to have to get over that. That's just the way it is on the Cerritos. <laughs> I like that they talk about Delta Shift being better than them. Because it's always... I, I, this is going to sound really weird, petty coming from a Star Trek fan. But you always <laughs> feel like Alpha Shift is going to be the best because it's Alpha. Right. They're the kings and queens. Senior right. staff. But it's Delta Shift. They're saying like the you know that's the one that's the best. So it kind of does away with the whole Alpha's better than Beta. Beta's better. It's than, the reverse you know, psychology. Yeah. Delta Shift probably has the least to do, and therefore <laughs> they're the best. Now I love how this just instantly degrades into a freakout, and this is I, I to skip ahead to a little bit of my overall analysis of this episode. Stressing people out with constant dangling the carrot with a timer and whatnot and just making people work, 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 work doesn't actually work that well for most people. There's very few Boimlers in the world that thrive off of that kind of kind of structure. Well, that's definitely the um, kind of the moral of the episode. And for the captain is like he straight up says that he's like, not everybody's a Boimler. Not everybody <laughs> reacts this way. Yes. And it's it's true. It's like. You got to give people time to discover what they can do and like got to give them a break. And that's one thing that I know that like, you know, people who are still listening to the show decades from now listening to our podcast. (laughs) Of course they are. You know, during this time, you know, like we're in a pandemic and a lot of people are working remotely and I'm, I'm one of those people. And I know that there are a lot of people who on my team who are working even harder because they're trying to prove their worth during this time. Oh, sure. Also, it's so much easier to be working 24-7 when people know that you're available via email and you are right. at your desk and blah, blah, blah. And no, guys, boundaries are very good. And it's really tough right now, though, when you are working from home to make that separation between home life and work life when you're doing it all from the same place. My husband is having that problem. He's working remotely, too. Yeah. I, I needed... I should have started a counter of how many times... Jack the XO puts his foot up on something. <laughs> he is hardcore Rikering in this episode, isn't he? He he practically is Riker in this episode until he turns into Captain Kirk. Yes, I was just about to say at some point in this episode, not only is he trying to out Riker Riker, but he's trying to out Kirk Kirk because he preemptively pulls off his shirt. <laughs> I, I'm so happy that someone addressed her sleeves. That he <laughs> ordered her to put her sleeves down. <laughs> like this isn't a barn. Like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner, honestly. (laughs) You know, that's something I always appreciated about Voyager is like, we have a couple of iterations of Catherine Janeway, right? We have just casual on the bridge duty, fully uniformed captain. When she wants to relax, she takes off the jacket and she's Mm -hmm. down to the turtleneck. And then when she really needs to get down and dirty, she's in the tank top and she does not mess around. And I feel like for Mariner, all time is kind of like, hey, let's just chill and make like have fun with this. That's why she's got the sleeves up. <laughs> this is such a Star Trek trope. Yeah, it really is. Like, oh, the wrong totem, like the wrong um, item was used. And it just amazes me. Like, how how crazy would these people have to be? <laughs> because right? they Over saw the wrong thing. totem. 
Right. And like they're in the Federation and they're this crazy, you know, like it's. <laughs> yes, but you've also got to appreciate the massive monoculture thing that's happening here, too. They're all yeah, wearing the same yeah. clothes. They all worship crystals. They're wearing crystals. Everything's crystals for these people. Wood? Bad. Really, really bad. I love and it of course, we've got to just fight, 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 fight immediately. Immediately. Yeah. I like this. This feels very TOS to me. Yes. Oh, there's so much TOS callback, like TOS tropes, if you will, mm-hmm. in this episode, which I can't help but appreciate the way that they do it. It's so cute. Also, got to shout back to about 15 seconds ago. Did you notice that the Bolian's blood was blue? Yes. Yes, I did. So did Nice I. attention to detail, yeah. <laughs> nice little touch. Now we know. I, uh, like, is and this I love the 2260s? That line that, yeah. 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 Well, who am I, Kirk? Uh, yeah, I feel like Mariner is going to be, you know how Tom in Voyager was the 19, 1900s, the 20th century aficionado? I yes. feel like Mariner is probably the Starfleet history aficionado. She might be. I could see that happening for sure. Because she, she keeps making references to Kirk and the Enterprise and, and Picard and like even, even Deanna Troy. So she has like, yeah, I know that this is just a show. I know it's just a goofy <laughs> Star Trek show that references itself, but within the realms of the universe, she has to be a Starfleet aficionado, right? Yeah, it would not surprise me if she really does know the useless trivia about everybody in mm-hmm. Starfleet. So you now, in this scene, the... I think we learn the name for the very first time of the security officer, Shax. Shax, is it? Yes. Okay. I think that's the very first time we've heard his name. So did we determine what was wrong with the controls or was it just because people are, are overworked? I think it's, yeah, I think it's just because people have been freaking out and everything has gone straight to hell. They're making mistakes and so therefore it's like it's bugging the system, essentially. <laughs> it's just, they're just ignoring them because it's so overworked. I've, I, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been there. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> so I was really expecting... Like, Later on in the episode, they, uh, I love that, swords and spears. How'd they get on the ship? <laughs> Again, a TOS thing. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. Totally. I was half expecting, I, I know that we get it later in the episode where they push over some of the, um, some of the boxes to fall on them. Oh, yes. I, I was half expecting them to like bounce like they're made of foam, like in, <laughs> in the old days. <laughs> oh, that would have been adorable if they would have done that. That's fantastic. Now, there's a lot of chemistry between Ransom and Mariner in this episode. We're really kind of catching a glimpse into their relationship. What do you think about this whole dynamic? I think it's it's kind of your classic love-hate dynamic. Not even love Oh, he just put his leg up again. Oh, and she did too. (laughs) So not even like a love-hate thing. I think it's, there's, there's definitely the TV trope of I despise you, but I'm sexually attracted to you. Boom. And so we're going to go have hate sex later. You know, like that's definitely okay. the vibe that I'm getting from these people. You're seeing exactly what I'm seeing too. It's like that massive underlying unresolved sexual tension. Are they or are they not going to have like this massive passionate fling and then never talk about it again? Because that would be so Riker. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have a feeling. I think that I, speaking of Riker, I think it might go the Riker row route where they're under alien influence and then get busy, and then they have to talk about it later and then pretend it never happened. Because that's what you do in TV. You pretend it never happened <laughs> so that you can maintain some sort of working relationship. Yes. You know, I would kind of Crystals. love it if they did that in a future episode. Not going to lie. Oh, it's going to happen. 
I, I'm calling it now. Yeah? Yeah. Well, they can either go with the constant underlying sexual tension and everybody's going to ship them and we're going to want them to get together. But then there's the alternative, which I think is a little more sexy and exciting. One thing that I really appreciate about this episode and one thing that um, I think a lot of people were concerned about is they were going to show the EXO as just a stereotypical hyper toxic masculinity kind of guy where he's just an oaf he, he like uh-huh. he just he just got the by man's on his, man like he's a man's man he's just an oaf he just gets by on his looks and he's just muscles muscles and no brains and everything like that but i really like that this episode shows him where like yeah he talks a big game and he's really full of himself but he does actually have talent like he, he yes he can actually defend himself he can defend his crew and he tries to find a peaceful you know resolution like by not killing the person and you know sticking to his ethics and trying to find a way a starfleet way out of it and it was nice to see that there's a reason why maybe he's a senior officer as opposed to mariner he's he's that more refined version i think of her they're so alike that that's why they have that hate love hate thing going on i really like that i really like that comparison i f- i feel yeah i think that's i think that's perfect is that they're definitely cut from the same cloth, but where you know where Jack went, he went towards duty and following the rules, and that's why he's an XO. And Mariner couldn't follow the rules, and that's why she got bumped down to ensign. Right. I think I think that's a great comparison. I still cannot wait for when we find out what it was that happened that got her demoted. I have theories. We don't have time for them right now, but <laughs> I have theories. I've been thinking a lot about this. In fact. I think we're. It's probably going to be something we find out in the last episode of season one. Is going to be my guess. I'm. I, or are they? Yeah, are they going to just drop us little hints leading up to that very last thing? Maybe we find out why she's been going back and forth between her parents' ships. Mm-hmm. Why they're trying to keep her under lock and key. Space bra. Space bra. Scars. I appreciate that she uses like she thinks of her scars as trophies. That's how I feel about wrinkles. You know, as we're getting a little older in age, as time has gone by, there's a few more things on my face. You know what? It means I've lived long enough to earn them. It's true. You and I, when we started this, we were much, you know, we were much younger. The, we were much younger than we are now. <laughs> we were in our younger 30s. Now we're in our older 30s. At least I am. I was going to say, I wasn't even in my 30s when we started. Yeah, you baby, you. <laughs> you were still in your 20s. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I like I like my smile, smile lines. I like my crow's feet. Yeah, it means you've had years and years of laughing. What's not to love about that? So this coming up, it's right here. The yes! double fist hits. Yes, it's yes! so perfect. It's so per- this is probably the moment when I truly fell in love with the show. Really? Oh wow! Yes, I can see why though. This is such a such a beautiful callback to these fight or die kind of scenarios where combat is the answer in TOS and he's killing it. He's doing Captain Kirk proud. Yeah. He like, he is like everyone, like they were going in the direction, like with him saying like, I just need my hands for this one, baby. Like everyone (laughs) thought he was going to get his ass handed to him, but he's actually a really good fighter. And they did, they did the double fist hit all the way through from TOS all the way through deep space nine. Yep. Apparently, it's very effective. Works every time. I don't know if we ever saw it in Voyager. I can't remember, but... Boy, I don't know if we did. Maybe they dropped it for Voyager. Who knows why? 
it, but it's perfect. It's absolutely so I want to propose something to you as well as the audience. The preemptive tearing of the shirt off before it can even be torn in a fight. I want to call that the ransom maneuver. The ransom maneuver? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's not the Kirk one? We, can, we can't give that? Because I guess no, Kirk lets it be torn off. That's Yes, right. that's the Kirk right. maneuver. Ransom is preemptively tearing off the shirt and saying, here I am, let's go. <laughs> And, and he Picard fought that alien so the, hard the that he threw up. Did you notice that? I think that's a first, <laughs> seeing somebody vomit during a fight. <laughs> and you know what else I appreciate about our big burly fighting alien? He loves to read. <laughs> Again, calling out this stereotype where it's just this big guy who we think is dumb and he can only say his name. No. So this this fight scene, like once the um, once the crew is able to actually go and fight, it yes. surprises me how many of them use their pads in order to fight? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. These things are hefty, aren't they? I mean, they are withstanding a lot of impact. I think we see a lot more pad usage in this show than we did in previous shows just because of the invention of the iPad, which we right? all use a lot more. We all use a tablet today a lot more than we used to because they didn't exist. And they were also in- inspired by Star Trek itself. So you have this circular yeah. art imitating life imitating art thing you gotta love it when technology becomes real technology mm-hmm. <laughs> where did that red bandage come from she ripped it off um oh did mariner sleeve. do that yeah oh i missed that entirely yeah that's why she has one sleeve that's ripped uh, oh that's what okay i did not put that together during the first watch here I'll be darned. Death race. I love that his brain first goes to death race. (laughs) (laughs) Of all things, that's what you're going to go for first. Yes. (laughs) So like, yeah, right here. Like I thought like those actually landed with a thud. Like those looked like they had some weight to them. (laughs) Yes. There was stuff in those boxes. Oh, one of my favorite things in this whole episode is Dr. Taana hissing because she's a cat. I like that the doctor brought up a dermal regenerator for Mariner's scars. Uh-huh. Because that's the first thing that popped in my head. I'm just like, just use a dermal regenerator. Why would you do you it? Get yeah. Scars. Yeah. And you know what? Okay, they're removing the graffiti on the Cerritos right now, and I kind of think they ought to keep it. It's it's colorful. It's decorative. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it sets it apart. It makes it unique. Maybe they don't get those big missions, but they've got the graffiti. That's true. They got the uh, they got the colors. They don't have the missions, but they got, but they got the swag. Yeah, it's all about spirit, man. But nah, so there's got to be an easier up. way than just using your phaser <laughs> to clean that up. <laughs> what would you recommend? A baryon sweep? I think baryon sweep is overused. <laughs> I just watched I just watched the Voyager episode. Um, oh, crap. What's it called? Uh, it's the one where the no-name ensign that we never met before who died three years ago came back in a different form. Oh, remember golly. You're jogging my memory here, and I can't do it on the spot. I don't remember what it is either. Well, I, yeah, it doesn't matter what it's called, but like she was calling Kim a, a neat freak and she's like, is that why you always had a, a baryon sweep take care of your quarters? And I'm just like, what? I, baryon sweep is for warp particles. Why, why, <laughs> why would a college student have access to a baryon sweep? Or his hey, dorm you know room? what? Apparently it's kind of a do-all housekeeper as well. They've added features. That annoys me. She throws a bedpan at him. <laughs> yeah. I, this is one thing that I, I think I feel like a lot of us can relate to Mariner in some small way. The, is the contrarian? 
Uh-huh. You know, when she's like, I'm, that's another day in the brig. It's like, oh, the brig is my favorite place. You're just sending <laughs> me to a place I love. Like, we all want to be that smart ass when we're totally confronted. But you, you know, know what? I also think it's true where she's probably spent some time in a brig and maybe enjoys the solitude of it all. She gets a break. Yeah. The Boimler effect. So The Boimler effect. You got to love how much he hates this whole thing. So... This, um, the Delta Shield, like, I'm sure that they went with a simplistic Delta Shield for their uniforms because it's easier to draw. Sure, yes. What was Picard wearing during this time? Like, I can't remember what kind of mm. emblem it was. I think in Nemesis, it's still got to be the First Contact-esque. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about, like, when we saw flashbacks in Picard, like the show Picard. Oh. Because the flashbacks should be around this time, shouldn't it? Some of them. Now, when he is encountering Data way back in the very first episode, I think he's wearing the TNG era round com badge. There, there's a specific com badge. Uh, there's a specific uniform that he's wearing that we don't actually see uh, in, uh, unless it's in a flashback or it's like in a photo when he's with Thad, like Deanna and Riker's baby. Uh-huh. So, oh, we speak, okay, but that's neither here nor there. We can talk about that later. But this right <laughs> here, this is probably the one where I rolled my eyes a little bit, where I'm just like, really? okay, that's, that's a false reference. The Miles O'Brien statue? <laughs> Don't tell him about the statue. <laughs> I loved it. What are you talking about, mister? I, I, that, that was one where I was just like, uh, okay. Oh, come on. How can you not love a Miles O'Brien reference? Yes, it's a little in your face, but that's the point. He's a statue. Come on, it's adorable. So have we seen this before? Seen like what the, before? The, like the, the religious thing that they were doing? Like this meditation thing? Is that a reference to something that we've seen? Or not? I, I am remember. not sure. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, there you go, folks. Yeah, that is episode three. Woo. Yeah. So overall thoughts, sir. What do you think of this episode? I really enjoyed it. I don't know if it was the best of... Of the three, uh, maybe I, I'm not quite sure. Like it's 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 kind of hard to tell. I mean, like I might need a little bit more references, and uh, also the tree guys have started up again. So if this is going on <laughs> and you guys can hear it, I apologize. <laughs> I guess buffer time is over. Buffer time is over. So yeah, uh, yeah, I I liked it. I think this definitely solidified my appreciation appreciation for the series. Like I don't know if this is my favorite episode of the three so far, but this one definitely pushed me over the edge of saying I like it to. This is this is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think this series is getting stronger and stronger with each episode, kind of exploring different facets of the Star Trek universe, which I can't help but appreciate. And lest we forget, we are only three episodes in. However, I really am appreciating what they are developing here. I appreciate what they're doing with the series and how they're doing it. I love these little, these little subtle character moments, like the fact that uh, Ransom does a Riker maneuver because mm-hmm. he's such a first officer trope, like where I have a feeling he may not be a first officer for a terribly long time. I think he will rise up and get his own ship and be the next Captain Kirk. You know what I mean? Uh, but then there's like little tiny things. The person who stole this show, this episode for me, Dr. Ta'ana, not just because of the hiss, but because of one of the lines that she had, which is something like, uh, it looks like a scratching post adorable she doesn't get much to do in this episode that she hardly has any screen time but she i think she steals the show with what she has i think steals the show might be a bit of hyperbole 
oh, I think you just don't appreciate cats as much as I do. If it was one of your favorite parts, I understand. But I think steals the show is a bit much for one Oh, line. I don't know. I think I think she did a fantastic job. <laughs> Our listeners can chime in and tell us who's right. How about that? That's one thing that we actually would love you guys to do is if you could talk to us. We, we yeah. want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you think of the show, what you think of our show, and and also just what uh, what you're thinking of Star Trek lore all throughout uh, Lower Decks. So what you can do is you can contact us via email by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select second contact, and then fill out the form. It'll send us the email. Or you can find us on Twitter. The Our show handle is at joinnerdparty. And you can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at the Insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. So before we go, how about some morals, messages, and meanings a la Mission Log? What are some of the takeaways we can take from this episode? Well, I think that we, we touch them on them a little bit. You know, like don't overwork your people for the sake of efficiency. Yes, it backfires. It backfires because when you overwork for the sake of efficiency, you become inefficient because we're not machines, because we're not computers. <laughs> we're not all datas. We're not all Boimlers. No. You know, we're not all docs. And it's. I, I think that's probably the biggest message is that's what it is. I think one of the biggest running themes of Lower Decks so far that really comes to play again here is adhering to the rules versus knowing when to break or stretch them. Now, have we learned anything from this? Are we learning anything from these constant portrayals of this conflict? Or is it just something that's going to constantly be a conflict? I, what, what do you mean, like being in conflict? Meaning, is it better to be more of a Boimler and follow the rules because Starfleet has rules for a reason? Or is it better to be more of a Mariner and know the rules well enough to break them, but maybe a little exuberantly? I think that this episode did a great job of walking the middle where it seemed it seemed like it was pretty obvious what direction they were going to go in uh, with the characters by saying like, oh, Boimler needs to loosen up because uh -huh. he's too tightly wound and Mariner's going to save the day because she has experience and everybody should be having a mar margarita just like her. But I liked that in this portrayal, it was, no, Boimler was excelling in this and even though he was excelling in following the rules and being efficient, he recognized that people aren't machines. And so he was able to convince the captain, like, you're a great captain, be a great captain, let us be a great crew. And with Mariner, she like was forced to follow rank and realized that there are people above her who know what they're doing. Uh-huh. Like she's not she's not the end all be all, she's not the know it all. Like there is people out there who knows better than her and will still be able to achieve the mission without her help and interference. And so I feel like it walked that line. Yes, I appreciated that Ransom, he wasn't just trying to be cocky and take the fight for taking the fight's sake. He was doing it to protect his junior officer as well, right, which I think exactly. is something Mariner realized. And yes, I think this was a good lesson for her to trust those above her because maybe they do know more than she does. Yes, she is very good, but she is not the be-all, end-all, but neither is Boimler. He learned some things too. So I feel like they are learning ever so slightly how to navigate to their strengths. Boimler needs structure. He likes rules. He thrives off of them, but not everybody does. Whereas Mariner needs some downtime to be at her best. And so I think for the Cerritos to be at its best, <laughs> we kind of got the perfect resolution here where 
Um, even the captain was punishing herself by this strict enforcement of efficiency and realized, man, this is not working. You can't be slacking off all the time, but you can't be working yourself to death either. Good stuff. That was another thing that I really appreciated, that she was holding herself to the same standards as she was holding her crew. Yes. Which is the sign yes. of a good leader, even if it's crazy at times. Right. And uh, yeah. that was, I also appreciated the portrayal of the captain where the captain was not under an alien influence. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the captain was not uh, drugged. You know, the, the captain was, on, was working on her own accord and she screwed up. Yes, and she acknowledged it, she owned it, and she fixed it. Good job, Captain Freeman. Right. And this is this is one of those moments where, like, in Star Trek, it's very easy for the captain to get kind of deified, where there's just like, I'd follow him to the ends of the earth. I'd walk through hell for that captain. <laughs> yeah. And with this one, it was a simple work efficiency, you know, uh, miscalculation, and she screwed up. And they didn't, yeah. need, they didn't need some sort of alien influence or drugs or psychic plant in order to, to make her screw up. She just did. That's something I really am appreciating about Lower Deck stories is these don't have to be massive, like, this is the end of the galaxy kind mm -hmm. of a problem. Like, we're getting that in Discovery. We have that in Picard. <laughs> yeah. These big, epic stories where everything is on the line and we're all going to die if one person fixes it. You know? <laughs> Here, it's little problems. It's like, it's things like work efficiency. What is buffer time? Oh no, we can't have that. Let's see what happens when we remove it. Uh-oh, that's even worse. Let's course right. correct. Right. So you know what? Captain Freeman won a lot of points for me in this episode. In fact, as a leader, I would rather be on her ship than maybe the ultra-efficient Enterprise because she, like a lot of captains, I'm sure, holds the Enterprise on a pedestal. How do they do it? How do they look so good? How are they, how do they do it with such finesse? Well, you know what? Not every ship needs to be the Enterprise. The Cerritos can have its own strengths. They need to come into their own and be their own. Maybe she's starting to realize that. And I like that she even references the Enterprise. Yes. Like, it's, it's very much just like, they multitask on the Enterprise. <laughs> and you know what? Study after study is showing that multitasking is not a task that humans are good at. Maybe some alien folks are okay at it, but we, no, we suck. All right. Well, that's our show, everybody. Uh, you, uh, we told you how to contact us, and we definitely want to hear from you guys. And also, if you have a moment, and that's all it takes is just a moment, is if you could go to the iTunes store and give us a rating, that would really help us out. We, yeah, more ratings 100%. means we rise up in the rankings and more people see us. We get to have more fun and uh, get more listeners and get more input and get more conversations going. So please, if you haven't yet, please take the time to do it. And if you give us a five-star rating, we'll mention you on the show. You can give us any kind of rating you want, but five stars gets you a mention on the show. That's right. We appreciate the constructive criticism. If you want to give it to us, five stars does give you the shout-out. And for those of you who have written us a review already, thank you so much. If we haven't shouted out to you yet, we'll do that next week. So hang tight. And, we, and sometimes it takes a while for us to get the notifications, but we will 100% get to you guys. Absolutely. Okay, so, you know what? Until next week, you know what I want? Buffer time. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. <laughs>